The heat is on, on the street, and this installment of Charlottesville Community Engagement is ready to get inside your head on every beat. With apologies to Glenn Fry, this is not an 80s music nostalgia newsletter and podcast, but the idea is to look back at some of what's happened recently while anticipating the changes that may come this summer. It's May 19th, 2022, and I'm your host, Sean Tubbs. On today's program, the annual area median income in the Charlottesville area has increased 19% over last year. Albemarle supervisors further discuss ways to incentivize developers to build housing for those with lower than that median income. The new CEO of Jaunt explains that a new page is turning toward cooperation with Charlottesville area transit and other transit providers. And Pittsylvania County will hope to try again once more for a sales tax referendum this November. In today's first Patreon-fueled shout-out, the Rivanna Conservation Alliance is working with the city of Charlottesville on the restoration of Riverview Park. The RCA aims to restore a 600-foot section of the Rivanna Riverbank in an area that's designated for public access to the waterway, as well as a 200-foot section of a dangerously eroding stormwater channel nearby. Another community meeting will be held in the near future to get your feedback on the work that should be prioritized. Visit rivanna-river.org to learn more about the project, which seeks to help Riverview Park continue to be a welcoming place to exercise, cool off, paddle, fish, play, explore, observe nature, and escape from the day-to-day stresses of life. To begin today, a quick look at the latest COVID numbers from the Virginia Department of Health. Today, the VDH reports another 3,836 positive COVID tests done through the PCR method, and a number that does not count at-home tests. The seven-day positivity rate for tests has increased to 15.2%. The seven-day average for new cases is now at 3,078. This surge of cases has so far not resulted in fatalities anywhere near the level of what was seen in previous surges before vaccines were readily available. The seven-day average for new daily deaths is at three per day. According to the Virginia Healthcare and Hospital Association, there are 60 COVID patients in intensive care in Virginia, with 23 of them on ventilators. Last November, voters in Pennsylvania County on the south side of Virginia's 5th Congressional District had on their ballot a referendum on whether or not to approve a 1% sales tax increase to fund school improvement projects. The measure failed on a 23-vote margin, according to election night results from the State Board of Elections. This Tuesday, the seven-member Board of Supervisors got an update on a campaign to try to hold the referendum again this year, based on enabling authority that passed the General Assembly in 2020. Martha Walker is the chair of Pennsylvanians for a Brighter Future, an advocacy group that seeks passage this time around. One cent, one penny, will generate $3.8 million each year for the 19 years that we will be allowed to have that one cent sales tax added. Under the same enabling authority from 2020, Danville voters voted last year in favor of the referendum, and the sales tax increase in that city has gone into effect. 
Speaking directly to the Pennsylvania Board of Supervisors on Tuesday, Walker said her organization will be seeking to educate the public on what improvements would be funded. You know that 10 elementary schools will be focused on safety and getting rid of those trailers by building new classrooms. Charlottesville asked the General Assembly to be allowed to hold a referendum for its school system in the 2022 General Assembly. Legislation did pass the Democrat-controlled Senate, but failed to get out of a committee in the Republican-controlled House of Delegates. There is still no state budget, an issue of increasing concern to school systems throughout the Commonwealth. The relatively new CEO of the transit agency, Jaunt, introduced himself to the Charlottesville City Council Monday and also had the chance to reintroduce a public service organization plagued by recent controversy. Ted Reek started with fundamentals. Our basic goal is to enable people to live their lives independently and with dignity. And we've been doing this for about 42 years. Jaunt serves the six localities of the Thomas Jefferson Planning District Commission, as well as Buckingham County. The Americans with Disabilities Act requires equivalent service to fixed route transit for disabled individuals. And Reek said Jaunt performs this role for CAT for those who live within three-fourths of a mile of a bus stop. We also provide in some of the outlying counties uh, circulator or intra-county service. We also provide links from the counties to Charlottesville, and then we also provide uh, commuter services uh, into Charlottesville and UVA. Reek was hired from Tulsa, Oklahoma last October by Jaunt. The agency's board of directors asked the previous CEO to resign after irregular transactions were reported. That continues to have an impact on Jaunt's budget. Our CEO uh, made some judgment errors in terms of spending money that triggered an audit and that discovered some issues that John uh, wasn't doing very well. Reek said John was making progress in correcting the errors pointed out in the audit, including misapplications of funds intended for rural use for urban purposes. There were also questions about administrative costs. Uh, we overstated some of our statistics, which allowed us to get more uh, state funding, federal funding than we were entitled to. Uh, this was an error that um, the prior CEO basically uh, hoarded the data and did not share that with anybody. Reek said Jaunt has had to pay Virginia back a million dollars, and that has happened. He also said record-keeping has now been improved. The previous CEO was Brad Sheffield, who also served one term on the Albemarle Board of Supervisors. During that time, he was hired on as Jaunt's director. Reek said other anomalies have been discovered, and Jaunt is cooperating with the ongoing investigation. Virginia Department of Rail and Public Transportation officials will visit John's headquarters next week for further discussions. Reek said as the legacy of the Sheffield era continues to play out, he wants to build a better partnership with Charlottesville Area Transit, and he's in close contact with CAT Director Garland Williams. We are working together. I don't believe John and CAT have played very well together in the past. Uh, we are turning a new page on that, I believe. That includes more frequent meetings to discuss common issues, such as driver shortages. Another issue is how to transition to a fleet that doesn't run on fossil fuels to meet the community's expectations on reducing greenhouse gas emissions. 
Jaunt is also seeking members of the community to join an alternative fuel advisory committee to oversee a study for which Kimley Horn has been hired to run. Applications are due May 27th, and the process will build off of a study that Charlottesville Area Transit is also running for their fleet. They are also building off of conversations that have been taking place at the Jefferson Area Regional Transit Partnership. In late April, that group heard from transit officials in Burlington, Vermont, about how fixed route transit can carry students to public schools. Those conversations are now occurring here, according to Reek. Uh, today we discussed opportunities where we can see CAD bus routes overlapping areas where Albemarle County students live. And many of these people could conceivably take a CAP bus to the high school and other schools as well. Um, that could, if, if that works out, that could save five or six bus operators for the school district. Doesn't sound like much, but it's really huge. Other avenues of regional exploration include the creation of a regional transit authority and development of an app to help people navigate public transportation. Reek said Jaunt could also play a role in addressing the need for service to Crescent Halls, a Charlottesville Redevelopment and Housing Authority property, whose residents have demanded that door-to-door service be restored when the building reopens. He said the current service by Route 6 sees a large bus trying to navigate a small access road for which it was not designed. And my understanding is that's uh, an awkward movement for a larger vehicle to do. So the thought would be to have John uh, provide that service instead of the main route. Details to come in the future, as Reek said, detailed conversations have not yet occurred. Charlottesville City Council pressed Reek on whether John's troubles with the Virginia Department of Rail and Public Transportation are over. Here's Charlottesville Mayor Lloyd Snook. First of all, are there any more shoes about to drop? And second, do you have a sense of when you will be past the shoe dropping phase? Reek said the long-standing issue is a pattern of mixing rural and urban funds that dates further back into John's recent history. He said he's being transparent with city, county, and state officials, as well as his board of directors. Our CEO uh, made some judgment errors in terms of spending money. That triggered an audit, and that discovered some issues that John uh, wasn't doing very well. We'll have more about transit as things move along. You're listening to Charlottesville Community Engagement, and it's springtime. And one Patreon subscriber wants you to know that the Plant Northern Piedmont Natives Campaign is a grassroots initiative of motivated citizens, volunteers, partner organizations, and local governments who want to promote the use of native plants. This spring, the group is working with retailers across the region to encourage purchase of plants that belong here and are part of an ecosystem that depends on pollination. There are plenty of resources on the Plant Northern Piedmont Natives Facebook page, so sign up to be notified of lectures, plant sales, and more. One more segment today, and this one goes back a couple weeks, but I thought it was important to include today. The Albemarle County Board of Supervisors continued a conversation earlier this month about how to incentivize developers to build units to be sold below market value. 
The six-member board last discussed the matter in February and pushed back on the idea of creating an overlay district in the county's zoning ordinance. Stacy Pethia is the county's housing manager. The main question today that we would like some feedback on is after listening to the information that's provided, um, is an affordable dwelling unit program something the board would be interested in staff pursuing? The General Assembly has already granted Albemarle enabling authority to pursue such a program, which would allow the county to require a certain percentage of units be rented or sold at affordable prices to households at 80% or lower than the median income. This requirement would be triggered by a rezoning or a special use permit. Supervisors adopted the Housing Albemarle Plan last July, but delayed much of the implementation until these details could be worked out. Before they got too deep into the conversation, Pethia said the U.S. Department of Housing and Urban Development has now released updated calculations for area annual median income for 2022. And that is now $111,200 annually. Um, And to put that into perspective, that is a 19% increase over last year's area median income. For comparison, the median income for the Washington metropolitan area is $142,300, and the median income for the Lynchburg metro is $78,900. We'll come back to these numbers in future stories about housing. Pethia said that after the work session in February, Steph opted to come forward with the affordable dwelling program that is authorized under state code. And the enabling legislation really does not place many restrictions on what the county can do and what that program looks like. Um, It does require that uh, we provide density bonuses. Um, But beyond that, we are pretty open in the percentage of the affordable unit set-asides that we may require, um, the depth of that unit affordability, the length of the affordability for those units. And we also have the opportunity to include additional incentives within that ordinance above and beyond the density increases. Pethia said there are about 500 such programs across the United States. Commonalities between them include an identification of how many units the locality needs to be affordable, a standardized amount for developers to pay into a fund rather than build units, and the right for the locality or its designee to purchase or rent affordable units that are actually constructed. Several localities in Virginia have such an affordable dwelling unit program, such as Loudoun County. They adopted their ordinance in 1999. Uh, they do require six and a quarter to 12 and a half percent of the units in the projects be affordable housing. Um, those units need to be affordable for 15 to 20 years, depending upon whether they're for sale or for rent. Pethia said around 2,500 units have been created under this policy in Loudoun. Fairfax County has a similar ordinance and has created nearly 3,000 units. For Albemarle, Pethia said county staff are recommending density bonuses, requiring 20% of total new units to be affordable as per housing Albemarle, allowing nonprofits to purchase affordable units for which the developer cannot find a qualified buyer, and a cash in lieu fee if the developer does not want to build the units. Such a program is not yet ready, and Pethia wanted feedback on whether they should proceed. Supervisor Ann Malik had this question. Is there a way that we can put a hold on new applications until we get this new process adopted? I'm very concerned that another 5,000 units will come in in application that we will somehow be forced to accept the applications and then we will lose that opportunity to 
get a much better result. Supervisor B. Lepisto Kirtley said she supported the idea of the creation of a waiting list for people and families who are eligible to rent or purchase affordable units due to their income level. The waiting list would be extremely important to have a waiting list. Otherwise, I can see uh, this whole project failing if we don't have a waiting list of uh, qualified income buyers. Supervisor Ned Galloway said that he did not want to see a list of stiffly written incentives that might preclude flexibility. I hope we don't get caught in the trap of saying even if we put an example of incentives out or encouraged incentives or whatever the wording is, that we're saying that that's it. Um, and that we have a process in place that allows for consideration of other incentives. Each project will be different. Each spreadsheet's a little different. Galloway also supported the cash in lieu program in order to have the developers pay more funds into the county's affordable housing trust rather than have the county rely on surpluses for that replacement. A more detailed incentives plan will come before the Board of Supervisors for a work session in August, followed by a public hearing in September. And that's it for the May 19th, 2022 edition of Charlottesville Community Engagement. Those August and September meetings are approximately three or four months away. What will happen between now and then? What kind of a summer is it going to be? I know that there will be plenty of episodes of Charlottesville Community Engagement to document the things that happen because things do not stop in this community. If you stop paying attention, suddenly the next thing you know, you missed something. I don't know have anything specific because I'm paying attention all the time and I am able to do so thanks to subscribers and listeners like you. And if you have made a donation through Substack or Patreon, thank you so much. If you haven't, let me tell you once again, that if you subscribe through Substack, the company Ting will match your initial payment. So whether that's $5 a month, $50 a year, $200 a year, Ting will match that amount, which is really great. Now I need to get on to make sure the next installment of Charlottesville Community Engagement comes out tomorrow because there's a lot to get through and I'm really glad to be able to do that. Again, thank you so much for listening. Please send it on to more people so we can grow the audience. It is about to be summer, and seriously, I can keep looking at this stuff. That's my job. You guys pay me to do that, which is great. But please keep subscribing and keep paying attention because it's all important. I'm Sean Tubbs, the host of this program. I'll be back tomorrow. In the meantime, stay cool and uh, stay informed. And goodbye, and thank you very much. <laughs>